But with the animal pad, honestly, I've said it a few times, like the people that I've met through this organization, the community, and I'm talking, I'm not just talking our team of volunteers. I'm talking, you know, adopters. I'm talking fosters, just the best people. If you want to be around people who are going to make you feel good every day, uh, are going to make you feel like you are doing something right and not just with what you're doing rescue wise, but you're surrounding yourself with people who are building you up. Um, this is the rescue to be in honestly, because this, the people are incredible. The dogs are incredible. I believe that love is all around us. Love is everything and everywhere. I am love. You are love. We are all love. In our divinity, in our soul, in the truest and simplest form of our being, we are pure, unconditional love. Love is the answer to everything. Every week in this podcast, we're talking to incredible and beautiful people who will be sharing their insights and perspectives to help you find more peace, to help you come from a place of love more often, to help encourage you to be kinder to yourself and others, to help you create more happiness in your life, to help you feel more oneness with others, and to help you connect to your higher self. My name is Justin Court. Together, we will help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be more loving, kind, peaceful, happy, empathetic, understanding, and accepting. This can only be achieved together. It starts with each and every one of us. We are one, and it's time we start acting that way. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I love you, I support you, and I'm here for you. Let's together create more love in this world. Let's do this. Lauren Botticelli is the Director of Operations at The Animal Pad, a 501c3 nonprofit all-breed dog rescue that's based in San Diego. They are 100% donation-based and volunteer-run. They're actually where we got our dog Summer from. It's an unbelievable organization who does everything in its power to connect rescue dogs with a loving and caring home where they can thrive. The Animal Pad is super supportive and does a great job of setting dogs and their new families up for success. It was incredibly moving to hear Lauren talk about the joy and fulfillment she receives from volunteering, giving, and serving every single day. It's inspired me, and I hope it inspires you. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Justin. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yes, me too. So everybody, I, me and my wife got our uh, dog from the nonprofit organization that Lauren works for. And her name is Summer. She's amazing. She, we, uh, I was just talking to Lauren about this. And we've, I know you've talked to Kayla about this in the past too. We got so lucky with Summer. She's so beautiful. She's so calm. Um, she has such a, just a nice demeanor. She listens like just so well. And she's just so loving and so kind. And uh, I just really feel like we literally almost like hit the lotto. 
with her with just how incredible she really is. And like, to be honest, we didn't do like much training. She just is such a very, very good dog. And it is awesome. I mean, we hear this. It's funny because we do hear this like quite often, I feel. And there's like the whole um, who rescued who, you know, and it it really is. um, It's as cheesy as it sounds. It is so true in so many instances. And we hear this and this is part of like the driving factor, honestly. Um, So thank you for saying that. I mean, it's amazing to hear because so many times the dogs, you know, change our lives just as much as we are changing theirs. you know, as volunteers, as adopters, as rescuers, as everything. And, and it's just really good to hear. And honestly, we take these dogs in and we don't know anything about them and Mm. how many times they end up being freaking fantastic, nearly perfect dogs without much intervention needed at all. It's pretty incredible. And I think that's a huge testament to like where they come from, what they've been through and being shown love and, how healing love is really because just being shown love and then they're just so grateful and it just like oozes out of them and it's beautiful. And hearing that is so awesome. I knew you had a good dog from the second that you guys were interested in her. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is a good one. But so often I feel that way about so, so many of them. And it is um, even the ones obviously that a lot of hard work have to go into, it's always worth it. And there is literally no love like a rescue dog. We say that all the time and it's so true. I mean, I think that time and time again, we're shown that. So yeah, <laughs> Very cool. Oh, so good. When we um, met Summer at the event, she was just so calm and me and my wife, we really like that energy, right? So it's like she was super calm. There were other small little dogs like jumping all over her and she was just chilling just yeah. hanging, looking just so sweet. And we're like, she's got some good energy. Let's definitely, uh, let's bring her in. And um, really, it's been now, it's been, I want to say two years, but yeah. time just flies. Well, and it's like, you can't imagine life without her now, I'm sure. So it's like, it feels like it's been much longer. It, <laughs> sure it, yes. it feels like it's been so long. I feel like I've had her for years and years, and I feel like she's just been a part of mine and Kayla's family forever because she really just came right in. And I love how you said how healing love is yeah. because it is so incredibly healing. And yeah. you can, I, I really, I can like feel this with Summer. It's like the love that we give her, this is like all she's ever wanted. Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. And I mean, we heal these dogs in so many ways. A lot of them come to us medically needing, you know, a lot of attention, but the most, the instant healing that we see is just coming from love, honestly. And we can have a dog that doesn't want anything to do with us, obviously hasn't had any good interactions with people at all. And, uh, you know, we can think about like, uh, okay, it's going to take a little bit and probably some like El Pollo Loco and some of our like tricks we have up our sleeves to get these dogs to like, like us. Um, and sometimes I always play it out in my head, like, okay, it's going to be a couple weeks. So just me and this dog and, and, uh, other people might not feel comfortable touching this dog and that's okay because they're a little snappy. They're just, they, all they need is this love. And that's what I just keep thinking in my head. And it's always shocking because I like totally underestimate them every single time. Normally it's like three days later and they are happy go lucky. Like, you know, I mean, just coming out of their shell beautifully and it is awesome. And 
you know, it all varies on the amount of emotional trauma they've been through. Um, really how fast we can get that result with just the action of love being shown to them. But I mean, they really astound me every single day because we can tell these dogs have just been put through hell. And three days later, it's like they've forgotten everything they've been through and they're just so happy to see you and the way you're greeted. And it's like, it makes you feel like a million bucks. Like you're the best person <laughs> on the planet. Um, Cause they're so excited to see you. And you're like, Oh my God, all I'm doing is bringing you a bowl of food. Like that is literally all I'm doing and sitting with you and talking with you and, you know, yeah. giving you space and listening to what you need and want. And it's just the coolest thing ever. And um, we have a facility now that's something new from the last time we talked, I think. Um, we used to rent kennel space and that's where we were able, able to keep our dogs. Um, it wasn't a place that you know felt like home to us and it wasn't a place where we were able to um, do much more other than just get dogs off the street and they had a safe place to go. Um, and now we have a headquarters that's out here in San Diego and um, it's been amazing because we have, it's an old vet clinic. So we have certain rooms that can, that are exam rooms that can kind of be dedicated toward the dogs that like need more care out of us. Mm. Um, so we can just go sit in these rooms with these dogs and, you know, I, we're all volunteers. So I'm working my nine to five job and I have my laptop in the rooms with the dogs answering emails. I'm on client calls. I'm doing all these things with the dogs, just like by my side. And I'm just getting them used to people and, you know, showing them people can be kind and good and it's the best. And so that has been something that's been huge for us um, in so many ways and kind of transformative because we have this space now where they can feel safe and they can stay as long as they need. Mm. And most of the time, again, I totally underestimate them and I'm like, okay, this dog's going to be with us here for a while. And it's like three days later, they're ready to go to a foster. It's like, okay. <laughs> Um, we're, we're either too good at what we're doing <laughs> or these dogs are just like too magical. And I know that it's the latter there. So yeah. <laughs> you guys it's are so good. Cool. It's, you guys are so great. And Lauren, to, to like, to know that these dogs get to be with you and like your team before they're put into these homes filled with love just honestly makes me feel, um, that much better. And it really is like, and for instance, again, with Summer, it's like she was a little standoffish in the beginning, but once right. she realized she was in a safe place and once she realized there was nothing but love coming to her, yep. oh my gosh, it's really when they begin to flourish and it is so incredible to see. And it's like Summer has uh, scars on her face. She has like a little bite mark out of her ear. So like she definitely went through some serious things in her past. And it's, I, I was thinking about it this morning, just probably thinking about, you know, uh, having you on the podcast. And I was like, it's been years now. I wonder if, because Summer is just so happy. And I'm like, I wonder if she even like remembers that point of her life or if she's just so, you know, stitched in this part of it where it's like us, like, I don't even remember me and Caleb being together without Summer. And I wonder if like Summer remembers a life like without yeah. us. Well, and dogs live so much in the moment. And that's one of my favorite things about them. Um, and so I'd like to think personally that they don't remember. I know that we see things, you know, there are triggers, there are certain things. Um, a lot of dogs come to us, uh, since we're rescuing, you know, primarily from Mexico, um, 
there are things like street noises and and uh, things that maybe you know a dog from a shelter here might not be exactly triggered by. But we we see reactions sometimes out of little things that maybe remind them of a past life. Um, a lot of dogs we rescue are terrified of like brooms because we can only imagine that they're being like you know kind of push down the street, like, ah, get up, get out from in front of my house. Um, you know, you're not welcome here. Um, and it's probably things like brooms, you know, that are kind of coming at them in that negative way. Um, and so we see little things that kind of linger that we feel like, mm, okay, yeah, obviously there's some, there's some stuff going on there that uh, they might not ever get through or they will, you know, and regardless, uh, we are super lucky to find, I mean, awesome adopters like yourselves, but people who genuinely care about these dogs and are like, okay, if my dog doesn't like the broom, I'm not ever going to sweep around my dog. Like, you know, I mean, there are so many things we can do to help them kind of feel comfortable in their homes. And there are so many people willing to do those things. And that's part of the beauty for me is meeting so many awesome people who are willing to just help their dogs transform in the positive ways that they need. Um, even the tiniest things, you know, the, the actual tiniest things that people might not think about that they kind of pick up on, you know, okay, I'm just not going to do that. And, um, that's a, a form of love right there, you know, that, that is so small and takes so little effort, um, but is really actually quite big in the dog's world. Um, and so, yeah, we see little things that kind of make me feel like, okay, um, not all that trauma is lost, but they live so much in the moment that seeing them happy is generally what we do see. And I feel like they kind of do leave that behind. And, uh, it always is really emotional for me as we're like crossing the border with a, a car full of dogs with our van. We have this huge, you know, obnoxious van that's lime green and says like rescues on board. And uh, we take it down to Tijuana and Sonata um, and we pick up dogs, you know, whether from the shelter or directly off the street. And when we are crossing back through and the second we cross, you know, interact with Border Patrol and we're on U.S. soil, it is like it really is like an emotional experience every single time because it's just so significant in their lives, just completely changing. And uh, I feel like they kind of know it sometimes. It really is like, I mean, and I could be totally humanizing these dogs and <laughs> I do that all the time and I don't care. I'm proud to admit it. I love it. I feel like they have such emotion and that should be celebrated, but it really like when we're telling them, oh my God, you guys are U.S. citizens now. It's like, we look in the back of the van and they're all just smiling. They're all just ready to go. Like, wow, what's where's life taking us now? Um, and it's really, really cool to see. So yeah, I feel like the a lot of the times you can't completely get rid of the trauma, but the happiness just so exude. It's just like, that's what you see. And that's all that I could ever hope for for the dogs, honestly. Yes, and the best way to take away that pain and suffering that they've experienced is to show them love and put totally. them in, in homes with people who love them. It's like the best that we can do, right? We have no control, obviously, of how they were treated in the past. All we can do is be the best that we can for them now and just totally. love them. And it's so, so great. And just everybody. So Lauren is the director of, uh, of ops at the Animal Pad, right? And uh, it was when me and Kayla were living in San Diego, 
is when we got summer. So I know you just mentioned it, you know, about going across, uh, going over the border and going down into Mexico. Uh, can you just, just a little bit more about that? I know you kind of mentioned this too, but is it mainly, are you guys picking up the dogs off the streets or are you working with a lot of other shelters that have already picked the dog ups off the streets and they're just kind of yeah. waiting there for you to, to take them uh, back over to San Diego? Sure. It totally varies, which is really, um, it's, it totally varies. And it's kind of interesting because we work a lot with shelters. Um, there are, you know, they're far and few in between. There are not many shelters in Mexico. Um, you know, not definitely not the equivalent to being here, but there are quite a few that we work with. And, um, those dogs have already been, you know, rescued, I would say, um, first step toward rescue. Mm. They're, definitely not safe where they are at all times. Um, some shelters, yes. Uh, some shelters are still kill shelters in Mexico. And um, the methods in which these dogs are euthanized in Mexico isn't always the same method as here. And not saying that, you know, any dog deserves euthanasia and not saying that it's, it, you know, what our shelter system's doing is, you know, top notch by any means, but uh, it's different there and uh, they don't have the access to a lot of the same things we do here. So uh, a lot of the forms of euthanasia there are a lot less humane than we have going on here. Um, so they're not always safe when they're in a shelter, uh, same as it is here. But uh, the dogs that are on the street are probably the most vulnerable because they you know, there's, I mean, so many that we bring in have been hit by cars, have been seriously injured, have been mauled by, you know, a, another pack of dogs. Uh, there's just so many variables that can really work against them in that situation. But also some, some positives in that, um, you know, they, they kind of learn to adapt and can, you know, become like street savvy, which I don't wish for them either, but it's like, if you're looking at the positives of them having to be on the street, I guess that would be considered one. Um, but yeah, so we take from both. We take from the shelter and we take from the street and it totally just depends who we're working with them in that moment and uh, the specific needs of the dogs. So we work with um, a shelter in Ensenada called Los Adoptables and they uh, have probably around 70 dogs at any given time. They also have cats. Um, so we go in and we help them uh, pull some of the dogs because they're a no-kill shelter. So every dog that's in their care is actually safe. Um, and so that's a beautiful thing down there specifically. And so uh, we take those dogs because she's not able. Pris is the woman who runs the shelter. She's amazing. Uh, we are dear friends of hers. And this shelter specifically, you know, only has room for so many and she will never take in more than she can. She'll never bite off more than she can chew, essentially, because she knows the dogs that are in her care deserve the best from her. So we often will take dogs from her so she can take in more dogs. Like she'll kind of put the plea out to us like, hey, we're very full and we have a lot more dogs that I'm getting notifications of every day that are on the street that need me that I want to go for, but I can't. So I don't have a, a safe place to put them. So we work with shelters like her who are doing awesome things in Baja for street dogs uh, and getting them the help and the care they need. And then we're able to take them, get them additional vetting here, get them into foster homes and get them adopted. So that's one avenue, essentially. Uh, we also work with independent rescuers. Most of these guys are in TJ and they are people who are just like 
everyday volunteers who live in Tijuana and are kind of like enough is enough. These dogs need help. And uh, with the support of, you know, us and other people who are just supporting the mission, uh, they're able to get dogs off the street, typically take them to their homes or to other uh, friends' homes where they will provide pension and the dogs can stay, get a little healthier, and then we cross them. So that's like kind of the independent rescuer route. And then we also just hit the streets ourselves and go down and, uh, you know, have some deli meat and hot dogs and get out the van. And we kind of open the door and like, mm, do you want to hop in? And a lot of the times the dogs are like, hell yeah, let's go. And they're <laughs> just, they hop in themselves. And then with those dogs, we're just crossing them directly. We we often do get vet care before crossing them. Um, just the stuff that we need to cross a dog, you know, vaccines being one of them. And then we will cross them. And then those guys go to our facility and after any of the dogs come into our care, regardless of the method that they got to us, uh, they come to our facility in La Mesa here in San Diego, and they stay for 10 days. That's a quarantine period. And during those 10 days, we have a care team uh, all made up of volunteers who come in the morning and the evening and pretty much sporadically all throughout the day. There's a lot of us there. Um, and these dogs are fed, they see our vets at our facility, they are then medicated, they are bathed, made to look their best and kind of feel their best in the short amount of time that is 10 days. Uh, while we have a team behind the scenes also looking for foster homes and matching appropriately. And as we get to know these dogs and their behavior, we can test them with other dogs, see how they do. Uh, so we're not setting fosters up for failure. We're setting fosters up to succeed with these dogs. And uh, we say, you know, to be a foster with us, all you need to provide is a loving home, like we've mentioned. And we provide, you know, any kind of supplies you would need, any kind of support, even behaviorally. We have a behavior team, uh, all made up of volunteers who will help you out with any kind of issue that's happening. Um, but basically, we do our due diligence to try to set up as best as we can, knowing a dog for 10 days, you know, and they change. Absolutely. But um, knowing them for the 10 days helps us to place them in an appropriate foster home that's going to help them thrive. And um, and it's been awesome. It's it's really kind of a good process that we have working pretty smoothly here. Uh, the dogs do change. And this is something that we always tell everyone um, if you're taking in a foster dog there is a, a rule essentially that it can take them three days minimum to really settle in. A lot of the times it can be a lot of pacing and a lot of panting and just feeling really nervous and insecure. And I try to put myself in their shoes, uh, especially the dogs coming directly from the streets. It's like these dogs had so much freedom and yes, they are matted, they're injured, they're skinny, they're not doing well physically, but they don't know necessarily that we're plucking them off the streets to give them something better than what they already had. So a lot of the times they can be defensive, they can be nervous. Um, and that's kind of what the 10 days does for us is gets them accustomed to everything that happens from now on is only going to be good for you guys. And they start, we can see that realization happen and mm -hmm. it's amazing. And and they start to trust. And it really is just so cool uh, to see. And, you know, that trust just goes beyond once they get to a foster home because then they're comfortable at our facility. And then we kind of rip them from that comfortability. And they're like, 
wait, what? Now I'm in a house that like, what am I supposed to do here? Like everything's really nice. There's no dirt. I'm confused. And, um, you know, a lot of the times we see that, uh, they just need time to adjust and, uh, being in a house for the first time ever, like I cannot even imagine what that must feel like for them. So there's, there's confusion. Sometimes it's just pure joy. They they get in that house and they're like, (laughs) I'm a couch potato. This is the life I was always meant for. I'm so stoked to be here. Um, and we do see that quite a bit, but with the Shire dogs or the dogs that are a little bit unsure, it can take, you know, three day minimum to warm up. And um, we always tell people like, don't give up, you know, we Mm. will be here to support you. And so often it's pretty, it's pretty funny um, how often we get messages like the first night. I don't know if this is going to work out this, you know, she's not comfortable here. I feel awful. And it's like, give it time yeah, and we'll see. And if, if in three days you still feel this way, we're not going to force anybody to hold on to one of our dogs. We want them to be welcomed in the home. We want them to feel, um, you know, we want them to feel the love in the home, obviously. And we want the foster to also feel like this isn't completely taking over my life or my stress level and I'm, I'm not okay. Um, but for three days, it can be rough. So we kind of say, you know, let us know again in three mm-hmm. days and see. Um, and obviously we're not going to force someone to hold on to one of our dogs if they're just super certain of it. Um, but majority, I'm, I'd say nine times out of 10 day three, it's like, you guys were right. <laughs> yes. Everyone's settled and we're friends and you know, it, it's, it's really, it's just an adjustment, you know, and these are yeah. like the biggest adjustments of their lives that we know, you know, and yeah. we can't imagine what happened previously, but this is, this is huge. So, yeah. uh, yeah. yeah. Lauren, I thank you for the reminder. I forgot how amazing all of you are in the sense that the organization that you're like, um, yes, like, you know, they were just, there was no pressure. I, we felt, I'm thinking about now, we felt so supported by you guys, right? And like, really, God forbid it doesn't work out for whatever reason. You know, there's always the worry or the fear. It's like, well, what's going to happen to this dog? Like, Right. We we can't have something bad happen to it if we, you know, can't keep it for whatever reason. And the fact that you guys do such a great job of first helping the animals, making them feel supported and loved. And that's gotta that's gotta feel so rewarding when you oh, feel yes. start to trust you, right? And yeah. start to feel that love. So I love how you guys set everything up and like you're really putting in the energy and the effort to make the dogs feel as comfortable as possible, but then to also help the humans, the people who are either fostering or adopting these dogs to feel like they have the support from you guys as well. Like I do remember that now in the beginning being like, okay, like we can breathe easy. And like when, when we got summer in the beginning, like luckily we lived on, we live on a first floor. We lived on, um, uh, like right off the beach in San Diego is amazing. Uh, on the first floor though, but summer would jump through the windows. Oh my gosh, yes. She was, I don't know if she just like felt anxious, right? Again, maybe she was out in the streets all the time, had all this freedom. And then she was in this tiny one bedroom apartment. Um, who knows if she just like missed us and she was just like panicking that we were going to leave her and she was going to be left alone again. I'm not sure, but I just, I, I really do thinking back on that was like, you guys were just really there and you especially, I remember that too. Us just feeling so comfortable and being like, no matter what happens, this is going to work out. And it's going to be the best for the dogs regardless. That's super cool to hear because we try hard for that to be the feeling. Um, and yeah, as an all-volunteer team, it can be 
a lot have, having to manage as many dogs as we have in the rescue. And um, the number since, you know, summer was in the rescue has like quadrupled with how many dogs we rescue a year. Wow. Um, I think that that year uh, was the year that we wanted to do 365 dogs rescued, which for us, you know, that felt like a lot because the dogs we are rescuing are not ready to be adopted. And I say this, um, you know, in, in the most gentle of ways, I don't mean to knock any rescue. I'm so, so appreciative for anybody who's rescuing dogs. Um, but you know, a lot of the rescues that go rescue from our shelter system here, which is so needed, uh, those dogs are pretty much adoptable. A lot of the times immediately right out the gates, they have vaccines, they're spayed and neutered in our shelter system, they're microchipped. And then those rescues can just pull that dog, um, and say, Hey, you know, adopt me, you know, same kind of day situation. And that's great. I'm glad those that they're doing that. That's just not necessarily what we do. So our dogs are coming in with, you know, unknown is their disease. You know, we have to quarantine them. We have to make sure that they're safe to be in homes with other dogs, uh, safe to be in homes with people. We see sexually transmitted diseases on the streets of Mexico that you've never imagined are a, a real thing. Like, what for dogs? Um, you know, we see weird parasites and things that we don't typically see here in, you know, dogs in America. And, um, so really with that comes this whole responsibility of like, we can't adopt these dogs out too quickly. We have to do our due diligence. We have to do, you know, blood work, fecal tests. We really have to get a full workup done on our dogs before we can consider them adoptable because there's a lot of, things that they've been living through that, um, again, are unknown to us that really could affect their quality of life if we don't catch it. So I'm proud with the amount of due diligence we really do on making sure all of our dogs are well prior to adoption, or if it's something that was by some weird, weird chance missed, um, you know, being able to help work through that and, and cover these things after the fact, if it was a pre-existing, um, you know, something that really should have been caught on our end, which luckily doesn't happen often at all. But through that, uh, you know, we we don't rescue large volumes of dogs typically because our dogs need like at least a month in foster care, sometimes longer, a lot of the times longer, to be honest. Um, and yeah, we have some that are are shorter, uh, but very frequent that it's it's longer than this. So 365 felt like a good, like, you know, damn, okay, like that felt good for us because we have our dogs in foster care for a lot longer than maybe some typical um, rescues do. So we, I think that year rescued 362. We were just shy of it. And, you know, next year, a thousand percent, this is happening. Well, when COVID hit and the influx of people wanting to volunteer, um, a lot of our volunteer base all worked in, you know, restaurant jobs or somewhere in the service industry and um, losing their jobs really, it honestly, I don't wish it on anyone ever. And, but I will say so many of our volunteers have been like, this has been a really good outlet for a really otherwise crappy year. Yeah. Um, and so it has made a lot of people feel this community that we always strive to have within the animal pad um, for the people and the dogs, you know, and, and uh, so that's been a, a really kind of cool thing to watch and kind of a silver lining. But this past year with the amount of volunteers we've had, 
uh, step up to being able to dedicate a lot more time. The amount of people who were just coming out of the woodworks being like, I want to foster because I'm working from home now. Um, a lot of, I feel like as a rescue, we were like, okay, we're either going to take this opportunity and rescue so many more dogs, or we are going to keep business as usual and keep going at what we know we're good at and not take risks, which also would have been a fine decision and choice to make. Um, but we decided to just rock and roll and see what we could do. And we rescued like 1600 dogs or something <laughs> that it was, yeah, it was, it was incredible. I, I think since COVID has, since the beginning, we've rescued 1600 dogs at this point or over that at this point, because the tally just grows literally every day. <laughs> so it's been really, really cool to see but, you know, with with this comes even greater responsibility of making sure all of the dogs we're taking in are getting exactly what they need. Uh, and I know not burning our volunteers out to a point where it's like we're going to really hurt ourselves in the long run and ultimately hurt the dogs. So um, I will say about our volunteers, I've never met more dedicated people in my entire life. Like, honestly, I've never met people that I'm more proud to know or work with. I'm literally tearing up right now. Um, yeah, just, I mean, so many of my best friends are in this organization now, and it's not just because we love dogs, you know, it's because I watch them every day, like just fight for the dogs the way that I do, the way that they should be fought for. And it's just such a bonding experience. We, we say all the time, that it feels like you go to battle together like every single day because a lot of people don't understand why we rescue the dogs we do and ha might have opinions on, you know, why are you not rescuing dogs that are just adoptable? You could rescue so many more. And it's like, well, what makes them more important than the ones that are on the street suffering um, and need medical care and are dying, you know, horrendous deaths. So no one should knock anyone for rescuing any sort of dog ever, in my opinion. Uh, but really, like everyone kind of has their niche and this is ours. And and we didn't really know we were a medical dog rescue until COVID hit. And we started really we took in a dog. I always joke around. I'm like, take a dog with a head tumor once and everyone's going to come to you with the dogs with the head tumors. And it's not funny to joke about a dog with a head tumor, but you also kind of have to have this like sense of humor in this because it is kind of, I mean, it's, it's very emotional work. It can be very dark, mm -hmm. but it can also be like the happiest, brightest, best work ever. And I feel like with so many of this, it's, or so many of these dogs, it's, you know, we are now being, people are seeking us out in Mexico who I don't know, um, are messaging me personally, messaging our page. Hey, we heard you took in a dog like this once. We just found this dog. Are you able to help? And it feels amazing to be the people that can help those dogs. And mm. honestly, we don't, we very rarely say no, very rarely. Um, I don't even know a time that I can remember that I've said no uh, about taking in a dog. It's, we're always kind of going to try to make things work. And that's just our mentality and the philosophy of how we go at TAP. Um, but I'm not going to lie, like with COVID and 
I just feel like there's a huge influx of dogs needing help because people are either going back to work and not willing to put in the effort or, um, you know, they adopted a dog during COVID and, you know, pandemic puppies, they call them (laughs) and they adopted a dog during COVID and now they're going back to work. And this dog has major separation anxiety because the dog has never been away from their people or the dog's never been around other people. And so now the dogs are awful with strangers and it's like, well, what the heck? Like my dog is great with me. Why doesn't my dog just like everyone? And it's like, well, why don't you like everyone? It's it's kind of, it just, you know, it's such a, yeah. it's like you want your dog to be perfect. And when you don't, when you think about it at, in a way of, Hey, like every dog's different. If my dog doesn't like that, I'm just not going to really force my dog to do that. Um, you know, then you're doing what's best for your dog. Like I have a dog who doesn't really like strangers. She's not, um, ever done anything that has like actually made me worried to have her around strangers, but I can tell she's just not comfortable in front of strangers. She loves her people and she's the best goofiest, weirdest dog with anyone she knows and feels comfortable with. But if someone is introduced into the picture, she doesn't know if they're sticking around, then, you know, we'll go about all the proper ways to introduce. If they're not going to stick around, I'm just going to let her hide under my bed upstairs and do her thing. And I'm not going to force anything out of her. And if she doesn't want to be the brunch dog that goes with me to, you know, have mimosas on Sunday, then I'm not going to make her be that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a lot of what's happening right now with these um, dogs being returned either to shelters, um, being relinquished back to rescues, is that people are trying to make their dogs be something that they're not. And, you know, with training, absolutely. Let's try to change some of these behaviors. Uh, You don't really want your dog, you know, trying to viciously attack anyone that comes into your house that is welcome into your home. Mm -hmm. So there are things that, you know, we obviously are advocates for trying to change, but there are things that I also think people need to realize, like, hey, you know, let your dog be your dog that you love and, and, and do what's best for them. So not going to lie with the amount of dogs we've adopted out. We have seen a huge influx of people reaching back out to us past doctors saying, I don't know if I can do this. And it feels, it, it means a lot to me to hear you say that you felt supported by us because that's what we're trying to do more so than ever with people who need support from adopting a dog during a really weird time, you know, um, and that dog was there for you during, you know, the stress and anxieties of what's happening in our country. And you owe it to that dog to be there for them too. So let's try to help. Mm -hmm. And we have been able to successfully help people keep their dogs in their home, um, with volunteers, with offering, you know, some training tips, things like that references, Um, but there are dogs that have come back to us and that has been hard because those dogs coming back to us means there's a dog on the streets of TJ that is waiting for us that we don't have a spot for. So that's been really hard. And I'm the one that weighs, you know, which dogs come into the rescue and when, um, so it's a constant logistics struggle of trying to figure these things out. Um, but I will say we, I feel like the inner turmoil that I feel as these things are happening. Um, luckily, a lot of people are like, oh, you guys make it look easy. And I'm like, perfect. That's all I want it to look like <laughs> always is easy, even though I am crying inside. <laughs> but no, it's it's been really, it's been 
an amazing ride, um, you know, the last year, but it has been a lot. And that's why I think I get emotional thinking about our teams of volunteers because um, there's zero chance that, you know, a fourth or three fourths of these dogs would have been rescued without all of these volunteers. And it is amazing. It really is. It's, it's huge. And the dogs, the dogs will never, you know, their lives are completely changed. It's just, you know, it's, it's insane. I'm like kind of speechless thinking about really what has happened and, um, and we just continue to grow and it's super cool to be a part of this during this, like, so it's such a transformative time. Um, so that's like the one positive of, you know, COVID um, times, I guess, was that we were really able to kind of make something good, as good as, as possible of what we were supposed to, or what we were aiming to do. So I guess um, lemonade out of lemons, I guess. Exactly. I mean, COVID, <laughs> and I've talked about this a few times on the podcast, obviously COVID has been extremely, extremely difficult. Right. But when there's these little bits of shining light that come out of them, it's like, we have to put our awareness on those things and we have to appreciate those because really the fact that you were able to take an incredible amount more of dogs off the street than you normally did and, and help people and help those dogs be put into homes is so special. And what you guys do as an organization, I'm like falling more in love with it as you're talking about it. And the fact that you're all volunteers, um, the fact that it is, it is a 501c3 nonprofit, no one's getting paid, is like, to just sacrifice your time and energy for the betterment of the world. Literally, you're making the world a better place. You are helping these dogs and animals that just need our love so much. You're helping people who want to bring these dogs into their lives. It's just such a beautiful connection that you that you guys are able to do. And I implore everybody to volunteer somewhere or work for a company that when you think about the people in your organization and you think about what they do and how special they are and it makes you tear up, <laughs> that is something that is insanely special. Yeah. Really, to talk about your, to talk about the organization and the people you work with and for to make you just like so proud and happy to bring tears to your eyes because you see what people are doing each and every day to create this sort of a change is so beautiful. And it's something that I just, I would love for people to take a look inward and really think about what makes them happy and what in the world can bring them good energy. Right. And it's like something like this. I mean, I I really, and I can't thank you guys enough. I, for how really, and I'm so glad that we get to talk about this. So I can really, really tell you how amazing you made the whole entire process, the organization. So like anybody living in the San Diego area right now, uh, if you are looking to um, adopt a dog, please check out the animal pad, such a special organization. I, we really did. And like, Kayla loved you from like off the back because Kayla was the one who was like really communicating with you in the, in the beginning. She's like, Lauren is amazing. This I felt whole- the same about her. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think this whole organization is just really doing it right. You guys are just really setting up the whole process for success, for these dogs to feel comfortable, for them to be acclimated, for the people coming in. Because 
it is a little scary sometimes like when you adopt a dog literally off the streets of Mexico and you have no idea how they're going to react. Right. And when Summer was jumping through the screen windows, luckily we were in a situation where it's like, we're never going to give her back. We're going to figure this out with her. But we knew that we had that support from you guys if this was something that we couldn't handle on our own. Totally. Right. And you guys are like, you guys are the professionals and in adopting a dog, it's like, why don't, you know, we don't always know what to do in situations. When she started jumping through the screen windows, we're like, what do we do about this? Right. right. You know what I mean? And we figured it out and we made it work. But I, I can't even tell you really, having you guys to fall back on meant the world. It really, really meant everything. Well, and yeah, I mean, and there's no shame in it not being the right fit. That's what I say all the time as well yeah. is this is why I like fostering. Um, so much. And this is why I like foster based rescues. And the yeah. difference there is, you know, if you go to a shelter and you adopt a dog, I applaud you. You rock. That's amazing. Thank you for doing that. Um, that is you taking a dog into your house that you know very little about and just committing. I'm going to make it work, you know. Um, but there are some instances where you just can't make it work. And we also are really understanding of that. And that's why if that's something that is concerning to you, um, going through a foster based rescue is great because we kind of we learn more about their how, how they're going to be in a home um, just by them, you know, being fostered and being in a house with somebody prior to coming to you. So we can learn a lot about the dogs through that. Um, but there's literally never any shame in it not being the right fit. The only thing that I feel like should be stressed is that this is an important decision and it shouldn't be taken lightly. And, you know, when people come to us and say, we have tried everything, we've tried everything. We are at our wits end. Like we are, we don't know what to do because this just might not be the best fit, but we love this dog so much. And we'll try to help obviously, but when these people ultimately do have to relinquish the dog to us, it's sad for all parties involved. Like yeah. we are not like, ah, oh, these people suck. Like let's, you know, we need no, it's sad. And we feel for people who love the dog and it's just not a good fit for some reason, some way, you know, yeah. and it's just, it's not always going to be a good fit. And we understand that. So there's no shame in having it not work out. The thing that I just think is super important is that if you are going to make a commitment, you're making a commitment. And if your dog needs something, just as if your child needed something, you would want to try and provide that for them before throwing in the towel. So that's yeah. kind of where we stand is like, there are things we can do to try and we can be there as support systems to a certain degree to you, even after you've adopted this dog. But ultimately you've got to be willing to try yourself. Um, and it's not just on the dog that they're not doing the things that you want them to be doing. Right. Uh, you know, exactly. So, yeah. Um, well, and thank you for just saying that right now too, because I'll be really honest. Even when I was just saying that, like we would never give Summer back, I said that because I would feel shame if I gave her back. But there's no need to feel that way. No. Really, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's super important for people to know that because dogs end up living in bad situations for far longer sometimes than they should um, because of the shame. Yes. And, um, you know, I mean, for me, we just want the, ultimately the whole organization just wants what's best for the dogs. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've had people need to relinquish a dog to us and say, 
oh my God, I, I feel, I hope I'm not blacklisted. Like, I hope I never, I hope I don't get an opportunity to adopt again. And it's like, no, we've actually learned this about this dog through this process. Um, and we're able to better set the dog up for success next time around for their true forever home, you know, hoping everything goes well. Um, And then now we know what kind of dog you are also not capable of caring for. And that's also okay. And let's work with you to find a dog that's going to be a better fit. And um, it's super rare that we say like, okay, these people, you know, because it's our, our judgment for the most part, like, you know, our adoptions team does an amazing job of vetting people, making sure that they're good homes for these dogs. So it is super rare that somebody gets through the cracks that we're like, oh, we really probably shouldn't have adopted this person because they actually want, you know, this unicorn dog that doesn't really truly probably exist. Um, it's very often that when it doesn't work out, it's for good reason and we can help them find a dog that's going to work for them. So, um, yeah, it it all, it's all, uh, part of the process that is important. And yeah, I really, I can't, I cannot stress enough that there is really no shame, but we, as an organization want you to come to us, work with us, let us know. Uh, when I hear about somebody trying to rehome the dog, like, you know, on Craigslist or something, that's when I start to get really worried. And, you know, it, there's been a few times where um, we found out about adopters of ours trying to independently rehome the dog. And we always, we have it in our clause in our adoption contract, like come back to us, come back to us. We'll A, always take the dog back. But if that's not what you're looking for, we can help with even like a courtesy post on our website, like, hey, this is an, you know, ex-alumni dog at this point who is in need of a home. Like we know what we're doing in terms of finding good people and going to Craigslist or going on like next door or something where you don't know these people and they can only show you, they're only going to show you the side of themselves that they want you to see. Right. And a lot of sinister things end up happening specifically on Craigslist with animals, um, specifically if they're free, you know? Um, And that is something we want to avoid for any dog. Uh, But specifically dogs that have come through us, um, it's something that there's no reason to go that route because we will help and we're excited to, be able to provide new lives for these dogs. And that doesn't change past adoption. And I always say, you know, um, when you adopt from the animal pad, you are a part of this like past adoption. And these dogs don't just like not become important to us when they're adopted. So we don't stop thinking about them. Like literally every time I see a photo um, on the Instagram, you know, where someone tags us in a story, um, or even a post and we get to see these dogs like years later, I'm like, Oh my God, like it's, it's amazing. It makes our days and we don't stop thinking about them. We don't stop loving them just because they're adopted. So it's very cool to get to be a part start to finish. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, the shame thing is I totally get it. I feel like that's such a natural human emotion and, uh, but really like, I can't say enough and mean enough that there's, we don't need to feel that. Like we can, we can help, you know? Yeah. You guys are the best. It's like, I just, your heart is so filled with love. And the fact that you guys are just like, we're never going to forget about these animals. Like we're never going to just totally abandon them. It's not like, 
if this doesn't work with you, well then, uh, eh, I guess we're just kind of out of luck. Like, where do we go right. from here? Right. And yeah, that is just, um, it's just, it, wow. Like thinking about it again and talking about it, it's so good. And I love the organization even that much more as we keep talking about it right now. Um, and Lauren, can you, I'm just very curious too, where do you get the funding from? Is it all just donation based? Do you have organizations that are just like reaching out and helping you? How does that work? Yeah. So we're completely donation based. Um, we don't really, this year we started dabbling kind of in like grants and trying to see what we are eligible for. We didn't have the manpower before to even look into these sorts of things. Now we have an awesome director of ours named Anna who has jumped in, who is seeing what we're eligible for, what we can, you know, apply for. Um, a lot of grants are pretty specific to like, I guess, rescuing within like U.S., you know, a border and not uh, specifically Mexico or any other countries where, you know, we obviously rescue primarily from. Um, so in the past, it was hard uh, with different like specifications being eligible for certain grants, but we have um, found some that definitely uh, are worthwhile in us applying to these days. But majority of our funding, I would say a thousand percent <laughs> comes from people like us who are volunteers, you know, are some of our biggest donors because we just believe in it so damn much. Um, but, you know, adopters, fosters, people who see the hard work that goes in, um, people who are on our Instagram and just fall in love with stories of the dogs. And, yeah. you know, we're really honest on there about, hey, like we need to be able to raise X amount for this dog to get what she needs. And, you know, people like you are who help us do this. And, you know, we understand that times are tough for a lot of people, but if there's anything like nothing is too small. Yeah. And so we have a lot of people with small donations coming together and helping. And that to me is cooler than anything. That's cooler than having, you know, some big, funder who can come in and, and just really, I mean, and we'll welcome that. Don't, don't get me wrong. We'll right, welcome right. <laughs> but to me, it really is cool having this like tap tribe, we call it. And this like small army of people that's expanding every day. And, you know, people say, Oh, I just found your page and I'm going to donate because mm. this is awesome work. And like, that's the stuff that makes me go, okay, we are doing something right. But also people care about these dogs and if we have the going back to the, you know, the medical dogs in Mexico and, and rescuers coming to us saying no one will help this dog. Will you guys um, knowing that we have this force behind us and these people who care um, and we have the means to do it because we'll figure it out because that's kind of, again, our mentality. Mm -hmm. It feels wrong. And like we're doing a disservice to the dogs to say no. So we take in these cases and. I'm not going to lie. Like we just took in a dog last month who had a tumor in his mouth and it was, um, it took over his whole, I mean, it was, it was very visible and was really one of the craziest things I've seen. Um, we were hoping it was a very treatable cancer that we see very often and it ended up not being. So, um, he, you know, sadly wasn't, there was no treatment plan for him. So he lived with us for, a few weeks and he got fed um, one of our volunteers, Deb, who comes in and, and cares for some of the medical dogs every single day. 
Um, she was blending up New York steak for this dog in a food processor because he has a tumor that allows him to just lick up food. He couldn't eat solids. Mm-hmm. She's blending up New York steak for this dog and bringing it to him every morning. And he just got to live a really good couple weeks with us. And then we got to give him the gift of letting him go very peacefully. And this is the stuff we also deal with that we talk about far less. Um, and it's the really emotionally tolling and sad side of things is that we can't save every single dog. Um, but we will give them a shot, you know, and we listen to them. We work with our vets, obviously, but I have gotten admittedly into um some deep conversations with our vets where I'm like, we see miracles every day. And it's hard to not want that for every single dog. Um, so it's sometimes hard to come to terms with the fact that this one's not going to get that miracle. And that sucks, you know, yeah. um, cause we've seen so many that we've been told are not going to get that miracle that do. Um, but you know, we're really, I mean, suffering's not something we, are ever going to support or, you know, make a dog go through for any longer than makes sense. So I say that, you know, every dog we rescue, I feel like has gone through a little bit of suffering to get to where they are. Um, And that's just the nature of rescuing dogs in Mexico who really need us. And um, when it comes to the suffering, if they're going to be able to get through it, um, and, you know, stick through it. It's it's going to be tough and we're going to get through it with you. And, you know, and then we see them start to improve and we see their spirit start to just really shine and show like that's the suffering that I'm cool with them going through for ultimately the amazing life that we know we're going to be able to have them have. Um, but what we're not cool with is something that we know is terminal. Um as we see a decline and just know that there's no coming back from that. So that's what happened with this dog. His name was Bravo. He was amazing. We all were very as volunteers in love with him. We never posted him because when we found out what was going on, we were like, you know what, we're keeping this internal and we're just going to love him as much as we can give him what he needs um, and then let him go. And that's what happened. And so that is like a part of it that I really rarely speak on because, you know, Um, we want to keep our pages on social media somewhere where people feel inspired. That's important, but we do get real on there because it is also important for people to know that, you know, um, to have grace with people first off, as all of our volunteers are going through a lot of things behind the scenes that people might not know about, um, and investing a lot of time and energy into dogs that might not survive. And that affects us all differently. And, Um, just how you don't know what someone's going through in their daily, you know, life. Um, that's kind of how I feel like with the volunteers as well. And there's a lot going on at all times that can be very stressful. So just a reminder, obviously to like have grace with people, but also to kind of remind that like, this is the reality of the dogs that we rescue a lot of the time we can get them through it, but sometimes we can't. And so it's just it's, it's humbling to be able to be a part of their journey, regardless of what the outcome is. Um, when we can heal them, it's amazing. And that's what, that's the fuel that keeps us going. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we have the losses, it's awful and it's very sad, but, um, at the same time, I've never regretted taking a dog in, never have regretted saying yes to a dog. Um, 
because I just know they're going to get what they need, even if it's not what we want for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and thank you so much. Like when you think about people who work for a dog rescue, my first thought is like, that's awesome. You get to play and hang out with dogs all day. You know what I mean? It is awesome in a lot of ways, but yeah. 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 And I'm sure, I'm sure, but there's also the other side of it where it's got to be very, very difficult and painful and hard to euthanize dogs and to have to make that decision. So it's just like, really Thank you. You know, it's not just, and it is like a lot again of, uh, you know, being amazing and great, but there are those tough decisions that you guys have to make. So like, wow, like just everything that you do really appreciate it. And I definitely want to ask you, Lauren, why do you volunteer? Why? Like what, what is it in you? Why do you do this every single day, volunteer, not get paid to do this job? Honestly, I mean, short and easy answer, the dogs, obviously. Um, (laughs) um, But with the animal pad, I feel like it's it's more than the dogs, which um, sounds silly to say because they truly are like our lives. Um, But with the animal pad, honestly, I've said it a few times, like the people that I've met through this organization, the community, and I'm talking, I'm not just talking our team of volunteers, I'm talking, you know, adopters, I'm talking fosters, just the best people. If you want to be around people who are going to make you feel good every day, uh, are going to make you feel like you are doing something right. And not just with what you're doing rescue wise, but you're surrounding yourself with people who are building you up. Um, this is the rescue to be in honestly, because this, (laughs) the people are, incredible. The dogs are incredible. And I mean, I feel like I've talked about them, obviously this entire podcast, cause that's what this is. They're, they're the main focus, but the dogs are magical, magical. And I can't say it enough that like the, the gratefulness that literally oozes out of these dogs is something that I've never experienced before. And like just having a dog feel so unsafe and then a day later having them put their head on your lap and like chills like I literally we feel this every single day when we're volunteering with these animals it's really really I mean life-changing in so many ways but the people are awesome the dogs are awesome I can't say it enough and the funniest part is that like I didn't know I was going to be doing this I didn't ever anticipate I was going to be doing this um I got started with the animal bed because I was really invested in the 2016 election and I was volunteering a lot for, um, I was campaigning, you know, doing a lot of different things. And then when it didn't go the way that I anticipated or hoped, um, I felt pretty lost, like, okay, wow, I've dedicated a lot of myself to this. Uh, That was my first real volunteer experience where I kind of dove fully in and, um, not only like, wow, okay, I've proven to myself that I have some time to dedicate to something. Um, but like, wow, I, I, I just feel really kind of weird about everything right now. And I need an outlet and I need to focus on something that's going to be good. So I said, okay, I'm, I want to volunteer somewhere that I'm going to see like a tangible change in difference and be able to be a part of that. So I I, uh, applied for about five different dog rescues to be a foster here in San Diego. And the animal pad was the only one that got back to me, I will say. Luckily. Yes. Thank goodness. 
thank goodness, honestly, um, got back to me within like an hour and said, um, Hey, there's this dog in the shelter. Do you want to go pick this dog up? And I was like, uh, yeah. (laughs) And I went and picked him up and his name was rusty. He was, um, an Australian shepherd, beautiful dog, but he was living in the desert and, uh, a, 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 I feel like it was a farmer. I don't know if there's farmers in the desert, but I feel like it was a farmer, somebody, somebody with a lot of land who was like protecting either livestock or, um, some sort of crops, uh, felt, thought this dog was a coyote and actually had shot at this dog. And so he was hit in the mouth area. Um, and his teeth were knocked, were just blown out. He had a giant scar on his mouth. Um, he had, his ear had holes actually through the ear, like where you could, you know, completely see through. And, um, and he was just terrified of everything. And he was a medical case at San Diego Humane Society. And I went and picked him up and that dog started it all for me. That was just like what sparked everything. And I was a foster for, I was just a foster for a very short period of time before the team was like, Hey, you want to do a little bit more? And I'm like, sure. And then that kind of just happened maybe, you know, every Mm -hmm. few weeks, Hey, you want to do a little bit more? And then I just dove in because like I said, the dogs are amazing. The people are also amazing. And it's really hard to not like fully invest yourself in something that feels so good. And it, it really is, um, what I volunteer because it all, it makes me feel good, you know, selfishly, but I mostly volunteer because at the end of the day, I just know that if I didn't know these dogs, like my life would not be complete without knowing these dogs. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that I literally just know them is really special. And, uh, all the things that people don't even know are going on. And it's just like between me and a dog, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. but it's, it's really, really cha- I mean, completely transformed my life, become yeah. my life. It's not even like changed my life. It's become my life. And, and it is the best thing I've ever done will be the best thing I've ever done. I feel pretty confidently saying forever. Yeah. yeah. So I just, yeah, I feel so lucky to be a part of it, honestly. I mean, I, I just, I feel so happy for you. <laughs> hearing you, yeah. Oh my God. Like hearing you talk about this, it's like you, you put yourself in a position where you get to give. Yeah. Incredible. Where you get to help other people. You get to help other dogs. You get to be in an environment and place where you are surrounded by incredible people. Like that is so important to surround ourselves with people who you said before, lift us up. Yeah. You also surround yourself with dogs. Dogs give us unconditional love. And it's like to be intentional with your time and to spend it doing that in what you're doing. It really like means the world because look at the joy and the fulfillment this brings you for something that you are doing for free. That is like the best part of it for me. It's like you're volunteering and look like, no, are you getting money? No, who cares? You're getting something so much more than that from what you're doing. Yeah. Right. And I think, and that, I think if we all, including myself, spent more time having these thoughts and doing things like this, not being like, all right, well, let me do this thing. And what, like, what can I get from it? You know what I mean? Or what money can I make from this? It's like, let me do something to help others. And then we'll see what that does for me. Because that's like one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is when you give and when you help um, other people or dogs. You know what I mean? So just, I think coming into that realm 
And you are inspiring me right now to like, even look a little bit deeper in myself and like, what can I do more to give? Right. Because, and you mentioned before too, like, you know, you, you do it like selfishly because it feels great for you. It's like, I've had this, we've talked about this in another podcast episode before where it's like selfish, isn't the right term for that because you're giving, you're doing something incredible. And like, yeah, you're, you're getting it back, which is like just how energy in the universe works. Right. So it's like, and you should get that back because of what you're doing. It's like, what a beautiful world we live in. It's like when we give and we help, we can feel this fulfillment and we can feel this love and this beauty and you can create such joy and such purpose and, and such a meaning for our lives, which is everything. Yeah. And Lauren, I want to, it, I just like, and honestly, like you're radiating as you're talking about this and to see somebody really shining the way that you are um, in, in service, like you're serving, you know, you're serving others, you're serving animals. It just, it's really, really inspiring. So really, thank you so much for that. Um, and Lauren, the, the, it really, thank you. Um, and the, the question I ask every single guest on the podcast and you are just like in the midst of doing this right now. And it's just, um, I'm grateful that I get to have this conversation with you and tap into someone like you really, because your energy is infectious and for other people to hear this and be inspired, like this is definitely going to motivate people to look outside of themselves and to really think about giving and supporting, um, other, other things. You know what I mean? To feel the fulfillment that you feel right now. Yes. And I hope it does because like I said, best thing I've ever done. Like, yeah. and I never anticipated doing it. And that's to me, like the coolest part of it is that you stumble into things that you're meant to do. I firmly believe that. Um, but it, it really is. There's so many different ways that I feel like I could have gone with like my outlet of volunteering after knowing, you know, how important that felt to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so glad it was this one. Yeah, so, so glad it was. So happy, so happy for you. So grateful that you found the animal pad, that the animal pad found you uh, and for the work that you guys are doing. Um, so in, in just the question that I do ask everybody is so, my goal in life is to help shift the collective consciousness of the planet, right? To be at a place that's more loving and more kind and peaceful. One where we just are more empathetic for each other. We're more forgiving. Um, we understand our oneness and that we're just more together. Uh, in a world too, where we give more, you know what I mean? And feel how beautiful uh, that can feel for us. So Lauren, what do you feel like you do, you know, every day that helps in this shift uh, of consciousness? Oh man. Um, I mean, I feel, I think one of the things that I feel the most proud of lately, um, going back to kind of a little bit of the, the COVID talk, um, is how many people, like you said, when we started have said like, this dog has changed my life mm. and I couldn't have maybe gotten through this last year without this dog. Um, and that to me is so beyond, just helping dogs, you know, um, that to me is like, it just feels just exactly right. Like how it's supposed to be, because obviously, yes, we love to help dogs. We're proud of that, but I feel like the animal pad helps people too. And not so much just the animal pad. I feel like it's rescuing an animal in general. Um, 
So obviously would recommend rescuing an animal, (laughs) but, uh, I feel, yeah, I just feel like it's, there's so much more than just, Oh, helping dogs. It's like, we save them, they save us. And they truly are just the most forgiving, innocent, amazing creatures who bring out the best in us and being able to give someone the gift of that Mm -hmm. is really something that I've felt extremely proud of lately. Um, because you know, not everyone is doing, not everyone is feeling their, them, their best selves right now. Yeah. And you get that right. that's, That's something that is really cool and has been cool. Um, to be a part of. So I feel like that's, yeah, that's probably the. Love that. You get to, that's that's the best. You get to help people feel good. You get to literally help people have the gift of unconditional love. Yeah. Like what? I honestly just thought about that right now. I'm like, wow, you get to help people feel unconditional love. (laughs) Sometimes for the first time in their life. Like, I mean, really, really, sometimes for the first time. And that's how the dogs are feeling too. I can only imagine like, for the first time in their lives, they're feeling safe. And for the first time in some people's lives, they're also feeling that. Yep. And it really is like, oh my God. Um, yeah, it's life-changing for so much more than the dogs. It's life-changing for just everyone involved at at all. Yeah. It's wow. just the coolest. Truly the coolest. The coolest. <laughs> So, um, Lauren, if you could, uh, so I want people to, if you could let people know where they can find the animal pad on social media, online, where they can donate. Um, and then also if you can let people know where they can find you, because if someone's listening to this right now and they're like, wow, Lauren figured it out. Let me reach out to her, try to get an understanding of like, you know, even more how she got here. If I can be a part of the animal pad myself, uh, I just think really, your story and being here is really special. So if people want to know more about that, we'd love to, you know, be able to let them uh, do that as well. Of course. And thank you. That also means a lot to me, but um, we are at the animal pad on social media of all forms. Um, We are on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We are on Facebook um, just at the animal pad. Uh, And that's also the best way to reach me, to be honest, because I run those accounts. So um, any kind of DM that comes through there is answered by me. So uh, I do have a personal Instagram page, but I don't even want to plug it because it's, I won't respond on that. My friends now know like, okay, if we want (laughs) to, if we need to like talk to her um, and it's Instagram, we're going to add the animal pad in. So I'm in some (laughs) like personal messages that, you know, as as my friends from high school and the animal pad. Um, So that's pretty funny, but um, yeah, at the animal pad, best way to reach the animal pad and to reach me. Um, we are always looking for volunteers, which is something to mention because we, you don't have to be in San Diego to be a volunteer with us. We have a lot of remote volunteers, um, sometimes in different countries and it's very cool. And we welcome all of you and we're very excited to have anyone. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity if you're interested at just the slash volunteer. Uh, And that is how you can see some of our opportunities. You can apply. And then uh, we have a team uh, of volunteers who manage our volunteering and would reach out to you and uh, let you know what might sound like a good fit for you. 
Uh, in terms of donating, that is very critical for us because we are completely donation-based. And so the animalpad.org slash donate. Uh, if you just head to the animalpad.org up in the top right-hand corner, there should be a green button that says donate. If you click there, there are a ton of different ways you can donate to us, honestly, as easy as going to Amazon Smile um, and making us your charity of choice. And then when you're shopping, instead of shopping on amazon.com, you just shop through Amazon Smile. And then every purchase you make, we get a portion of the proceeds. It's very cool. So there's instructions there on uh, the animalpad.org slash donate for making us your Amazon uh, Smile charity of choice. Also Ralph's, if there's a Ralph's in your area, uh, we are a community partner with Ralph's and you can select us as the charity for donation. And quarterly, we get a kickback of what everybody spends, you know, while grocery shopping, which is very cool. These are all like the passive ways you can donate. Um, we also have some partnerships that are listed on our site that you can go to and, you know, by purchasing this, that, or whatever, we have CBD oils, uh, we have collars and bows and different things um, that are companies we partner with. And by purchasing these things, we get a kickback as well. Uh, we also have a, um, a pet store, pet shop that is on our website that we have branded collars and leashes. We have, you know, uh, food bowls and t-shirts and a bunch of different things uh, that 100% of those donations come back to us as well. And then uh, if you're just looking to flat out donate, which is so appreciated, we are on Venmo at the Animal Pad. And uh, we also have PayPal, which is linked on our website, and then a way to just donate, you know, through typical credit card on our site as well. So all of that can be found and located at theanimalpad.org slash donate. I love it. So many. I love that, that you guys, there's so many avenues where people can donate to. There are. Really. And honestly, some of them are. You, you don't need to, you know, a lot of people say, I don't have the means to give. And we understand that yep. fully. Um, but if, you know, if you are grocery shopping and there's a Ralph's in your area, that's a way to give that really doesn't take anything from you. So there are ways to give if it speaks to you. And if you think the work is, is important, you know, like we do, there are ways to give without actually having to come out of your pocket. Um, and I think that's so special and cool because not everybody is, you know, in is fortunate enough or in the position to give. And we totally, totally understand that. So, um, yeah. And if, if anyone has any questions of additional anything, to be honest, um, definitely sending a DM is probably the easiest and quickest way to have me get back to somebody. Um, but on our website as well, we have a contact us form. Uh, the contact form goes to me too. So. Cool. A lot of this information I'm going to put in the description of the episode. So everybody definitely check that out. Lauren, you are such a beautiful soul. What a just amazing. Hey, <laughs> Honestly, I did want to say too, like what you are doing is also, I mean, I feel like it's not for, it's not specifically for you. It's for the better of, you know, just everyone in general. And my mom is a huge fan of your page, which she found you after you adopted from us. And she, when I told her I was coming on, she was like, Oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like just looking at your posts every day does a lot for people. So I wanted to also thank you because I think that it's very cool and 
you probably don't hear it like necessarily enough that there are so many ways that you're affecting just by having a social media page that is good when there's so much ugly out there a lot of the time. So thank you too. And thanks for having me on. This was super fun. And this was my first time ever doing this. And I am excited. This was the perfect conversation to like get my feet wet. If I ever, you know, if we ever plan on doing more podcasts to get the awareness out, like I'm glad it was with you because this was like talking to a friend. So I'm, I'm very grateful. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much. The, the kind words, the love and support, uh, they mean everything. They just give me more energy and fire to, to keep going. And that is the whole purpose. The whole purpose of it is to make a difference, to create some change and happiness and more love um, in people's lives, to show them the good that is all around us because it is everywhere. So to know, you know, to hear that it is working and it's helping people means everything. It means the world to me. So thank you so much for that. I I really do appreciate it. Uh, Amazing. Everybody, thank you for hanging out with me and Lauren. Check out the Animal Pad. So many ways to donate, especially, I love the Ralph thing. Like if you don't have the means to do it, um, but you can go shopping for groceries, there's still a way that you can give back. Love that. Uh, So everybody, this has been such a good conversation. This has inspired me. I hope it's inspired you. If you want to volunteer and you don't don't live in San Diego, you're still able to do that. If you live in the San Diego area, you want to volunteer in person, please reach out to the Animal Pad. If you're in that area and you want to adopt a dog or foster, please reach out to the Animal Pad and Lauren. What a fantastic organization. I am grateful that I'm just able to share this with more people. So Lauren, thank you so much for being here uh, and sharing just who you are, how this has inspired and impacted you. Um, And everybody, we love you so much. Thank you for being here as well. And uh, we'll definitely see you next time. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you.